What's up? What's up, you guys? This is Shaka Ra coming to you live with a ancient Egyptian medical lecture. And today I wanted to present the history of medicine as well as to talk about cymatics, pharmacokinetics, and DNA teleportation. So if you're new to the channel, make sure you go to my website, www.aminrawschool.com where I produce these lectures. I will be releasing them on a weekly basis. This is a free lecture for the public from the Amin Ra School of Medicine. Ank Uja Sineb. Okay, so I'm going to pull up my presentation. All right, so we went over that already. So we're going to go briefly over the history of pharmacology and medicine, ancient Egyptian plate five and six of the Edwin papyrus. So the most detailed and sophisticated of the extent medical papyri is the Edwin papyrus. It is also the world's oldest surgical text written in the hieratic script of the ancient Egyptian language, which is the cursive form of the original hieroglyphics. <clears throat> now, even though this text is dated to the year 1700 BC, that would be 1700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, allegedly, if that is, you know, we want to say that that's the actual year that Jesus Christ, if he existed, was born. Um, it is actually thought to be based on material from a thousand years earlier. So this goes back even further than that. This goes back to about mm, 3000 to 2000 BC. The document consists of 22 pages, 17 pages on the recto and five pages on the verso. <clears throat> 48 cases of trauma are examined, each with a description of the physical examination diagnosis, treatment, and prognosis. An important aspect of the text is that it shows that the heart, liver, spleen, kidneys, ureters, and bladder were all known to the Egyptians, along with the fact that the blood vessels were connected to the heart. So I just wanted to give you guys a brief history just to show you how far back this information goes. Here's another very ancient medical papyrus called the London Medical Papyrus which focuses on prescribing spells for treatment. So for everybody that is so bewildered by the fact that um, I practice spell work or magic work or healing work with spells, this is actually something that was practiced by the world's wisest, most ancient physicians, okay? And this is not, you know, Anything that I'm making up, this is well documented in the ancient literature and the ancient African indigenous Egyptian cultures. Now, there were three different classes of Egyptian healers. I'm going to cover two. OK, so if you think about in today's society, we have, you know, at the top of the line would be the doctors, the people that have medical degrees or jurors or uh, ODs, osteopathic doctors. Uh, those people would be at the top of the healing list, right? 
Um, and then under those people would be, um, you know, nurses, nurse practitioners, anesthesiologists, nurse assistants, and people that perform what they would call um, less inferior types of healing, you know? So, but in ancient Egyptian culture, the people that were at the top of the class of healing were people that were involved in thurgic. And thurgy just means people that practice the theology, the spiritual practices, and those would include the priests. <clears throat> so today, in today's society, we have tons of pastors, tons of ministers, we have tons of priests, but none of them um, practice any of these things that the original priesthood of the most ancient society practiced. For example, some of those things that the thurgic or upper class Egyptian healers would practice would be rituals and magic, okay, spell work, calling on the gods, and dream interpretation. And dream interpretation is, is an entire lecture by itself. But I want to point out that there is a person by the name of Alex Will who came out with a book um, a few years ago called the Dream Genome Thesis. And basically the Dream Genome Thesis presents a theory that basically our dreams are um, representations of what's happening inside of us genetically, uh, as well as what's happening inside ourselves. And so when we think about the, the context of being a doctor or a priest or a healer, uh, interpreting a person's dreams is much deeper than, um, you know, just the psychological aspect of it, but also for the purpose of finding the cure or the remedy to the person's illness, you could do dream work by basically um, giving that person um, a meditation and going into meditation with that person, what we call trance, and allowing the person to basically fall asleep and ask them, you know, certain questions while they're in a sleep or dream state about their illness, what's the source of it, and what needs to be said or done as far as medicine in order to heal the person. So that is the original context of healing, which has completely changed um, in today's society. Now, that was the upper class of Egyptian healers or doctors or priests. Now, the, the inferior class would be the regular physicians, right? The, the regular people that just go to medical school and get their degree. Those would be considered inferior class physicians in the ancient Egyptian perspective. And in the ancient Egyptian language, they're called the Sunu or the Sunwe. Okay, and they used natural means of healing, herbs, crystals, metals, and other things derived from the earth. Now, um, continuing along that line of thought, the god Shu. Shu is the god of air and moisture, and Shu is the first son of Ra. He's one of the sons of Ra. Remember, Ra had two children originally. He had Shu and Tefnut, okay? Shu representing the air, Tefnu representing water. So and when it comes to anatomy and physiology, air was recognized as vital to life. And they recognized that air passed through the trachea to the heart and to the lungs. And then it traveled in the blood to the other organs through vessels called medu. Now what's interesting about the word medu or medu is the word medu also means word. So the ancient Egyptian language is called the Medu Netcher or the Netcher Medu, the words of the gods, the words of the Netru. Now, thinking about the fact that the Metu are the vessels, okay? Now, when we talk about words and spells, they literally 
conceptualized the power of speech, the power of frequency, vibration, and sound as being capable of influencing the way that the air and water travel inside the vessels inside the body. So everything about the language has a medical context as well as a uh, scientific and a religious spiritual connection. Now, there's basically blood vessels, which are called med medu or medu. And then there's smaller medu, little gods, right? Or little words, little proteins. And these secondary medu led to the surface of the body, right? Which is why we sweat uh, when we cry, when we release tears and when we um, release semen or <clears throat> vaginal excretions or periods in women and urine, right? And so those things are talking about medu. Medu again means the word. So having control over the word is seen as a means of healing the body. Now, in, in building on what we just discussed, disease was transported out of the body. Okay. So in order for disease to in order for disease to build up to a process of disease, there is a foul substance, a foul bacteria, foul virus of something chemically that is unbalancing the body. And we call that ukedu. Ukedu. So we want to move the ukedu. Okay. And the ukedu is in various different organs. Okay. Now, the goal of healing was to expel the ukedu in the feces. Okay. For example, when we talk about pus, okay or discharge. Discharge and pus are examples of the ukedu attempting to escape from the body. So draining pus was encouraged, for example, in the ancient Egyptian literature. Now, when we talk about medicinal remedies, I really want to point this out because this is all going to connect when we start digging into healing and we're talking about how we had a harmony with nature and we used nature to heal us. Now, some of us, okay, may have many different issues. Some of us have issues with headaches. Some of us may have issues with our vision. We may have to wear glasses and contacts. Some of us may have hair problems, um, especially black men. I've noticed that black men are going bald at a very early age. Um, in fact, my brother-in-law is about 31 years old and he's already bald, you know what I mean? And a lot of men in their 30s seem to lose their hair. Okay, women also struggle struggle with hair problems. Okay, and also sexual drive. Sexual drive um, is diminishing um, even among younger men. Okay, there's more younger men taking Viagra or other um, stimulants than you know the previous generation. So when it came to these medicinal remedies, these were some of the medicinal remedies that. Um, the ancient Egyptian wise doctors prescribed. So for restoring your sexual drive, they used the, the semen from horses, okay? The semen from um, horses and bulls or stallions were used to restore the sexual drive. Uh, to treat hair problems, they used raven blood, okay? In order to cure baldness and to bring back hair. Now for people that were having headaches, they used fish skulls, okay? for people that have chronic headaches. And for people that were blind, they use pig eyes in order to restore the person's eyesight. Now, one very, very interesting thing 
is um, another medicinal remedy, which they use for bacteria um, and other treatments, which is called Malachite. Okay, so in the Bible, when they're talking about the book of Malachi, okay, the book of Malachi is talking about the copper salt, which appears to be green. Okay, and it is protect. It protects people from from epidemics. So right now we're in a you know pandemic, but an epidemic is you know just a spread of a bacteria or a virus. So this is what they use topically for antibacterial purposes. And they also, what you're looking at in this image is the copper smelting process. So in order to extract the copper or to turn the malachite into copper, which they use then to treat um, the bacteria or the, the illness topically or internally, they had to melt it to a certain degree and purify it from the salt to eliminate the toxic uh, parts of the Malachite stone. So again, in the Bible, the book of Malachi, the book of Malachi is talking about the process of alchemy, which is the copper smelting process. Now, just briefly, I wanna give everybody some unlicensed medical advice from the ancient Egyptian doctors, okay? So this is advice from the world's oldest doctor. So every one of these statements is very, very important and I definitely uh, we'll spend more time on this in another video. But number one, medical advice number one says a timely remedy is to prevent illness by having the greatness of God in your heart. OK, so let's break that down. So a lot of people, you know, they depend on, you know, let's say pharmaceuticals or doctors or nurses and they, they depend on um external entities to make sure that they don't get severely ill or die. But what they're saying here is that the best remedy to prevent illness is to have a greatness and a spiritual connection with God in your heart. And that is what will prevent um, your untimely demise. Okay. Because when you're connected with God, you're connected with the ancestors, you're connected with the universe, then you will know what's going on inside of your body. Or even if you don't know exactly what's going on inside of your body, you may be able to see ahead of time what possible remedies or what possible solutions and what possible um, things that you could come up with in order to prevent your illness from manifesting or getting worse. So, for example, when it comes to dream interpretation, OK, um, if you have a dream you can use that dream to see the status of your kidneys, your lungs, your liver, your brain, your energy, your magnetic field, what's going on in your cells. So that can let you know through the work of dream interpretation, for example, again, having the greatness of God in your heart, right? Being very spiritually connected. Then if there was for some reason you to get an illness or anything like that, then um, you would have the ability to, to learn what's happening inside of your body or if there is something already happening inside your body, then, you know, in the case of something like cancer, um, you don't have to, you know, randomly just get ill. And the longer you wait when you have cancer to start treatment, you know, the worse your prognosis can be. Um, so you don't want to be in stage four when you first find out that you may have cancer cells growing in your body. So um, that's a very, very key thing. And one other thing that I wanted to point out too is that I've had a dream before that I got a call from the hospital that I had colon cancer. Now, it was interesting because <clears throat> I took the dream literally. 
So um, I went and got um, an MRI done. I went and got a CT scan done to make sure there was no cancer in my body. Okay. So again, if, if you have a dream that tells you that you have, let's say, cancer or something like that, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have cancer. It may mean that you don't have cancer. And so in the event that you may have been questioning and asking yourself, do I have cancer? If you have a dream that tells you you have cancer, a way to interpret the dream is to look at the dream from the opposite perspective of what the dream actually said. Um, so that is a part of dream interpretation, which, again, was a part of the upper echelon doctors in the ancient Egyptian healers. Now, um, another medical uh, quote here is do not be despondent when you are ill. Your death is not made yet. And this is a very important piece of advice that I would give to anybody that suffers from a chronic illness or a disease or any type of complications. Do not become depressed um, just because you are sick or when you are sick or when you've discovered that you're sick. This happens a lot in, um, you know, many people when they get diagnosed with cancer, when they get diagnosed with diabetes, when they get diagnosed with lupus, HIV, um, any any disease that you can think of, especially HIV. Uh, people seem to have a sense of despair um, that can lead to suicide and many other issues. And so this is saying, you know. Do not get depressed when you are sick because your death is not made yet. OK, so keep that in mind. If you're listening to this and you have a chronic illness or you may be having some health problems, your death has not been made yet. OK, so do not despair. Find joy, find healing, find peace. OK, now one more thing and then I'll get to the pharmacokinetics part of this lecture is that it says here, do not pamper yourself when you are young lest you be weak when you are old. So this is basically telling young people, you know, don't be lazy, you know, don't pamper yourself. You need to always keep your body uh, up to par. You need to be physically fit. You need to be exercising every single day. Exercise is the best form of medicine, in my humble opinion. Um, exercise can produce dopamine. It can balance your hormones. It can help you with your mood. And of course, it, it increases blood flow. And a lot of other things can be prevented by simple daily exercise. So that's the end of the medical advice portion. Now I want to move to pharmacokinetics. Now, pharmacokinetics is the movement of drugs in the body. So when you take a drug um, or a substance or a medicine, okay, because medicines are drugs, that is the origin of pharma, pharma pharmacology. And in order for the, the drug to... Uh, you know, basically move inside of your body, inside your cells. It has to go through these five different processes. So when we start with liberation, we're talking about releasing the drug into the system of the body, into the cells, into the plasma, into the blood, into um, the, the organs, into into um, the tissue or wherever, you know, the target is for this particular drug to take effect. And it's usually metabolized. When we talk about metabolism, it's usually metabolized through the liver. Okay. Um, absorption and distribution. Those are key things because if you're taking a medicine for, let's say, um, blood pressure, if that drug does not get distributed throughout all of the circulating blood, for example, and you, for example, need to thin the blood, then you won't be able to thin the blood because the drug is not distributing across your red blood cells. Um, 
Excretion is where we urine and defecate and sweat. So again, a lot of drugs like um, antibiotics, uh, certain medicines, pain medicines, pretty much anything you take, you're not going to absorb 100% of what's in the drug. A lot of it is going to be excreted in your urine and um, your feces. And so remember the ukedu, the purpose of the treatment when it comes to medicine was to expel any foul substances through the feces. Okay. So that you could eliminate the illness through the ukedu. All right. Now, Let's move on to this is just another image um, just showing you what metabolism is. OK, the liver is, you know, basically breaking everything down. Your love, your liver has over 500 different functions. So your liver is such a key organ. And during the springtime, that is when the liver and the gallbladder start to rise in the in the Chinese uh, five element traditional medicine system. The spring is governed by the liver and the gallbladder, which is the wood element. Okay, so, um, you know, signs of a weak liver would be feeling unmotivated and not having a strong imagination. People that are chronically depressed use their liver energy to um, envision and dwell on things that do not actually move the liver energy in a, a balanced state. Okay, so um, again, the movements of the gods and goddesses, the Neturu, how the goddesses move, the Jeffsi Mapot Neturu, the yoga. When we talk about the movements of the gods and goddesses, we're talking about the principles of pharmacokinetics and the movement of DNA, RNA, and proteins. So the creation of the gods and goddesses, the, the creation of gods and goddesses is biotransformation. And just briefly, we just want to talk about the creation process is um, a release or absorption, a distribution, a storing, and, and excretion. And those five processes always happen in any chemical interaction between two parties, whether it's a drug and a human or air and DNA. Um, and so now we talk about the kidneys because the kidneys have to do with uh, clearing waste and foreign substances out the body through the process of filtering. So remember when we talked about the book of Malachi in the Bible, we talked about Malachi, which is the, the crystal salt that we get copper from. Once we smelt it, once we heat it up and purify it, we get copper. And um, alchemy is the oldest science in, in the book. And many of the stories in the Bible are alchemical stories. For example, uh, if you remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, um, when um, the city of Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed in the Bible by Yahweh, um, Lot's wife decided to look back and she was turned into a pillar of salt. So whenever we talk about salt, sulfur, gold, silver, uh, remember Jesus was sold for, I think, 33 pieces of silver. So anytime you start hearing about silver, copper, gold, salt, sulfur, mercury, anything like that, then you are basically talking about the alchemical process and the word chem means black. It means chemistry, the study of melanin and carbon, which is essentially just hydrogen. All right. So the kidneys are very, very key because, um, you know, there's elimination is totally different from excretion. So you need both of these things to be happening. You need to be eliminating and you need to be excreting. So elimination is the removal of medication from the body. 
So when people have a drug overdose, for example, let's say DMX, okay? DMX had a drug overdose from fentanyl. I'm assuming that's what the substance was. Now, when you have too much of fentanyl in your system, your kidneys cannot filter out the fentanyl drug or the fentanyl chem chemical substance uh, through their filtering process. And that is what causes an overdose or death. Um, and so let's move on to this slide. This is just showing you, um, you know, basically how we predict doses based on a person's weight and based on um, other factors, you know, to make sure that when we give people medication or drugs that we make sure that they're dosed properly, that way they can be tolerated and won't cause death. Okay. Now these are, you know, very key things. When we start with a prescription, every medicine that is prescribed by a doctor um, besides over-the-counter medication like Tylenol and, um, you know, let's say uh, stomach tablets and, you know, lotion and little stuff like that, Advil, those are what we call over-the-counter over medications. Now, when we talk about things that have to be prescribed by a physician like opiates and pain medication um, and, you know, let's say arthritis medication, diabetes medication, HIV medication, um, anything that has to be prescribed by a doctor, you know, it goes through these these different stages, which we call A, B, D, C, E. So A, A stands for administration. And the most important thing with administration is adherence and the route. How is the medicine delivered? Is it delivered in a pill orally? Is it injected um, and, you know, on a surface level into the veins? Is it administered through an IV? Is it injected intramuscularly? Is it, uh, let's say, topically applied to the body? Is it taken with food? Those are all questions of administration because the administration is how the drug gets into the body and what route it takes to reach the target, let's say, the liver, the blood, or the kidneys. Um, the dose. Now, these two go hand in hand because the dose is, is tied to the prescription. So when you have a prescription, you get prescribed a certain dose, which makes sense for the, the level of the illness, the, the, the health of your of your patient, as well as their weight. OK, now let's talk about bioavailability, which is absorption, first pass metabolism and activation. So, again, this is all based on your liver. If your liver can possibly positively absorb the medication metabolize the medication and basically purify the medication into inactive metabolites, then it can move to the next process where it's sent to the kidneys to be um, filtered again and then eliminated through the large intestine and the small intestine. Okay. Um, clearance. Okay. That goes back to the kidneys. Distribution. We talked about that. Um, and then that is how we lead to effects. So all drugs, all medications have some type of side effect. So that's why it's important to understand that it goes through a process of absorbing, metabolizing, um, eliminating, excreting, and distributing. That way we can understand what the side effects are going to be long term. Um, next. Now we're going to talk about cymatics. Okay, so what you're looking at is what we call cymatics. And cymatics is the study of visible sound and vibration. Now, this is only new to modern science and the ancient Egyptian language. Remember, they they use spells with their treatment 
Okay, so they knew that sound and frequency can affect um, matter, it, it can affect cells, it can affect atoms, it can affect tissues, brain cells, and all of those things. Those things are what we are looking at here. So when we speak into water, it creates certain patterns. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because in a minute, we're going to discuss what we call DNA teleportation. And DNA teleportation is a very new thing that has been discovered um, in recent years, but something that I'm going to show you has always been known by the ancient Egyptians. Um, again, this is another image of a cymatic once um, salt was laid down on a magnetic plate and vibrated at a certain frequency and created these patterns. Okay, now let's talk about Dr. Luke Antoine Motagnier, who is the discoverer of HIV. And he also is the first scientist to prove that DNA um, teleports, okay? So this is what he looks like. He's a well-known scientist, He's been around for you know almost 50 years. And so this is the video that you guys can go look up. It's called How One Scientist is Teleporting DNA Through Water. So the experiment that he did was he, he created um, you know, two tubes. Okay, so there's tube one, which is just DNA, and then there's a bunch of other tubes of water, and they're put inside um, you know, some type of cylinder or generator. And what they found was after about 18 hours, all of the water inside the generator had DNA inside of it, which proved that DNA can teleport itself through electromagnetic energy. Okay. Now, let me just read the study one, you know, just to give you the science on how it was working. So, like I said before, one tube contained a fragment of DNA about 100 bases long, another containing pure water and isolated them in a chamber that muted the Earth's natural electromagnetic field to keep it from muddying the results. The test tubes were housed within a copper coil emanating a weak electromagnetic field. Several hours later, the contents of both test tubes were put through polymerase chain reactions to identify any remnants of DNA, a process that subjected the content to enzymes that would make copies of any DNA fragments they found. According to Magnier, the DNA was recovered from both tubes, even though the second should have only contained water. Montagnier and his team say this suggests DNA emits its own electromagnetic signals that imprint the DNA structure on other molecules like water. Ostensibly, this means DNA can project itself from one cell to the next where copies could be made, something like quantum teleportation of genetic material. Now, this is not something that the ancient Egyptians did not know. When we are dis discussing the Book of the Dead and specifically the Book of Coming Forth by Day or the Boat of Ra, okay, this boat is referencing DNA, genetic teleportation on a quantum level, okay? Now, when we look at the goddess Neith, or the goddess Net, the fish trap of Ra, goddess Neith is uh, one of the oldest goddesses in ancient Egypt, and she is considered to be a female with a penis, okay? And um, she, if you look at her three heads, one head is a woman, one head appears to be a vulture head, and the other appears to be a lion head. And she has an erect penis. Now, this is talking about um, androgyny. 
meaning that DNA and genetic material does not need to produce through horizontal gene transfer, okay? So when we talk about sex between a male and a female, that is called vertical gene transfer. When we talk about how bacteria and viruses actually create themselves, they can create themselves asexually, which is horizontal gene transfer. And that is what she represents. And she is referred to as having a house, okay? So her house and her fish trap, the fish trap of Ra, is the magnetosphere in the Earth's magnetic field. So this is an image of the magnetic field. We have a magneto sheath, we have a magneto tail, and we have a magnetosphere, which contains all of this. Okay, so this is an image that shows when we're looking at the lines here, when they talk about the um the deceased god, the, the deceased sun god Osiris being on reed floats or iron bonds, we're talking about the movement of ions on magnetic fields. Um, another thing, when they talk about the valley of darkness in the Bible, I know you guys have seen that scripture, which says, you know, though I shall walk through the valley of darkness, you know, I fear no evil. Now, when we talk about the valley of the darkness or the mountain valley of the darkness, we're talking about the magnetosphere's energy landscapes and the Egyptian gaps are the gap or the cusp of the magnetosphere. When we talk about the celestial vault, we are also talking about the magnetosphere. When we talk about the, the Earth's magnetosphere, we're talking about the underworld, the netherworld, the land of the dead, the land of the gods, the realm of the ancestors, or for the Australian Aborigines, the dream time. This is another image of where the magnetopause is. Okay, just to show you um, visually what we're talking about. And also the duat, the netherworld, the, the world of the dead is also referred to a black hole. Okay, and I will get more into detail on that in another video. What you're looking at here is from the Papyrus of Ani, which is one of the world's uh, best written collections of the Book of Coming Forth by Day the Pu Nut Peru. And in this image, K or his Ka, the wife of the wife of Ani's Ka and his Ka are drinking water. So what does this represent? Well, DNA teleportation is what this is. So the Ka represents um, the soul or the DNA that has survived death and it is drinking water, meaning it is teleporting itself into the water, into the hydrogen atoms, into the ocean, or into anywhere in the universe where you can find hydrogen. The DNA is teleporting itself on a quantum level. And that is what this chapter in the book of coming forth by day is talking about. So this chapter is taken from um, the, the chapter of breathing air and having power over the water and the nature carrot, which is the underworld. So it says, Ra and Sashet Nafu Shekim Mu Nature Kirt. Chapter of breathing air and having power over the waters in the grave or in the underworld. Jed do. Medu in asa ani a an nehet twi nit nut dit na m. These words are spoken by Ani. Hey, sycamore one of nut, give to me from heaven. In nafu im imit nuk zekin aset twi her abet unu. 
Give me the air I am dwelling. I am embraced in the abode of the heart of the gods, the dwelling place of Kemenu. Iu sauna, I am the watcher. I am the guardian, the guardian of the DNA. Suhetunet na gaga or rud ke. Guardian of the, the great cackler who grows in his egg. Okay, so remember the bird cackles. Okay, that's talking about the DNA. Um, laughing, when you laugh, right, you let out air. So it's talking about how the DNA is transported through the air. And it's also talking about the egg. Okay, when we talk about fertilization or, or creation or, or um, the, ger the germing of the sperm cell, the egg cell or the DNA with the RNA. And this says, Jedu medu in asarani These words are spoken by the, the scribe Ani. Salutations, O you who are in the celestial sycamore of Nut Osiris within. Okay, so once again, he's, he's saying I'm saluting the sun, I'm saluting anywhere in the universe, and I'm transporting my DNA there. In Nafu M Amit Nukre Ken Aset Twi Herabut Unu to breathe the air in this region, I am embraced by the goddess of the throne belonging to the personality who is the innermost self, which where the, the good divine god the Huti resides. Okay. So I'm gonna end this video now. Um some of my sources for this particular video would be the daily the daily life of the ancient egyptians by briar b and hobbs um nursing the finest art and illustrated history third edition by mosby l sevier j worth estes the medical skills of ancient egypt and also the isis thesis a study decoding 870 ancient egyptian science by judy k king thank you to everybody from amara university for supporting this free lecture and please go to the website www com for more information. Peace. Ankh, Uja, Seneb, life, health, and vitality.